Thank you, Lori, for that beautiful message and song. And we'd like to welcome you here this wonderful day and this wonderful new year. Happy New Year! So great to see everyone here. What a way to start the new year in God's house, worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We welcome you. We welcome those of you who are worshiping with us online. We hope and pray that you would feel the love and the spirit of the Lord wherever you may be today. But we welcome all of you here. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we would invite you after the service to go by the Welcome Center out in the foyer, and we have a small gift for you just to show our love and appreciation for you coming. And if you don't mind to fill out a guest registry so we can send you more information about the church. But thank you for coming to be a part of this worship service. Today, we are grateful for each of our musicians that are here on the holiday. Grateful that our student minister uh, James Coleman, JT, is going to be coming to preach for us today. And JT, thank you for your willingness to come. And we pray God would speak through you and sing through our musicians. And we welcome all of you here. And I'm going to invite you at this time, stand, tell someone Happy New Year, then remain standing for our opening hymn.
Jason Sanderson, it, for those of you that don't know me or might not recognize me because of the beard that I've grown out, uh, um, I'm here to lead our prayer time today. And uh, such a, a wonderful privilege to be up here uh, right after that worship song, such a victorious song, symbolically, to the foot of the cross to lay our burdens down. God Almighty, thank you so much for this day and for this body of believers. Thank you for the gathering that you instituted so long ago and the church that you've built. Thank you for everything that you give us for this season, for our discipline, for all the, the, the love and the kindness and the steadfast faithfulness that you have and that we know to be true. We praise you for your son, Jesus Christ. We praise you for scripture. We praise you that, that you've given us a guide for our lives, God. We praise you for our families, and we, we praise you for this building, this facility, this place, the people that work here. This, the, the, the wonder of your love is amazing, God. We repent. We repent of our sin. We bring those burdens here now, our suffering and our shame and we don't have to live with it because we know there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh God, we ask, we ask that you would be with us today. You would be with JT as he brings the message. And we ask that you would guide us and turn us away from our sin, discipline us through our suffering, and just help us to see your holiness in everything that you've created, God. And finally, God, we yield. We yield to you and we yield to your will. No matter what we, we think or we go through, God, we know that your will is supreme and that you have all authority and that you're sovereign and that you're good. And if you're sovereign and good, God, we have to trust in you. And we just pray right now that you would help us to be able to make your will our will. That if we can align those two things, we might have confidence going forward in each and every day. God, please heal our land, heal our country. Thank you so much for everything you've given us. We love you and praise you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray.
Good morning. Happy New Year. I keep saying it till you get till I get a better response than that. Happy New Year. That's better. That's better. We're going to look today at scripture reading from the, if any of you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. While you're, while you're turning, we know that the book of Corinthians, written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, and when we look at these scripture verses today, we're going to be reminded, just as they were, that the gospel is the truth, and that there are no amendments, there are no addendums, there are no updates, no cultural changes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul's not going to be talking to them or teaching them anything new. He's only reminding them of what they, what they already know to be the truth. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Yes. 
Can we give the worship team another round of applause? That's such a good song. They do such a good job. Man. Well, good morning and happy new year. You're going to hear that a lot today. Now, uh, my name is James Coleman. I'm the student minister here, and I'm so excited to be able to bring this word to you this morning. I'm honored that Pastor Todd would trust me enough to, to get up here and, and try to teach you something this morning. And it is my hope that you learned something this morning. Um, the first thing you can know is I'm nowhere near the comic genius of your pastor, Todd Lester. <laughs> okay, that's the first thing you need to know. You're lucky that he has decided to be your pastor instead of pursue a career making millions as a stand-up comedian, right? <laughs> Good job. <laughs> um, so he's really funny, and I have a lot to learn there for sure. So what I'm so excited to talk to you guys about this morning is simple. It's the gospel. And I thought those songs were so fitting. Um, my wife and I, Elaine, I don't know if you've met her yet, but uh, if you haven't, you should. She's awesome. I'm biased, but it's true. Um, but we, we talk almost every single what its significance is. So I want to ask you a question. Don't raise your hand, so I don't want to put you on the spot like that. But how many of you feel like you know the gospel and its purpose? How many of you feel like you can take the gospel and lead someone through it from start to finish? And if your answer is no to, any, to any, either of those questions, I don't want you to feel any shame because, I mean, I know, I know lifelong Christians who probably couldn't tell you where their Bible is this morning if you were to ask them. And that's not a, that's not a remark to spark shame in someone's life, but it's, it's, a, it's a proof that we are all imperfect people. We don't always live up to perfect expectations, even of a modern church that says you should read your Bible every single day. And you should. But not a single one of us is perfect. But oftentimes, I think we lose the sight, lose our, our sight as Christians as to how important the gospel is. I think we, we lose sight of its significance. And it's not that we forget it. It's not that we uh, even reject it as Christians, but it's more that we overlook its significance in our lives as we go throughout the day to day. And sometimes I think we overlook the significance of the gospel for someone who is not saved. And my friends, that is, that's a very dangerous thing. This morning, it has been my prayer and it's been my hope that we will leave here today with a better understanding of the gospel, its characteristics, so that we may come to appreciate it more fully, its significance, its purpose, and its power as we move into 2023. Today, we'll be referencing multiple scriptures, so if you are taking notes this morning, you might want to use abbreviations. Um, I might speak a little quicker than I intend to. Just a heads up. But these scriptures are all going to tie us to our ultimate understanding of the gospel and its purpose. Then I want to look, before we actually dive into all the scriptures, I want to look at the word gospel itself. You know, the gospel occurs, or the word gospel occurs in the, in the New Testament 93 times. And it's solely in the New Testament. Okay? It occurs 93 times in the New Testament. And the word itself comes from the Greek word evangelion. Okay, now if we were in youth group, I would have you repeat that back to me when I count down from three. Be three, two, one, Evangelion. But I'm not going to make you do that this morning, okay? So you can breathe easy, all right? So Evangelion. And Evangelion is, uh, is the word that we get, the, our English words, evangelize. Evangelism. Evangelist, right? We get, that, we get the, those words from Evangelion. The gospel is that in the broadest sense, the whole and core of scripture kind of zoomed in. Matthew 4.23 says, And he went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every infirmity among the people. The gospel is the good news concerning Jesus Christ and the only way of salvation. Which means that the good news of the kingdom, as referenced in Matthew, is that we who were once prohibited from entering into this kingdom are now given access. We are invited in by God himself. Who here likes to be invited somewhere? You like to be invited somewhere? I do. I got to witness it over the Christmas dinner table 
uh, this, this past week where uh, somebody didn't get invited on a trip and they said, well, why wasn't I invited? I bet somebody here's probably said that too, huh? I have, I'm guilty of that. I like to be invited, I like to go places and it's been great that God looks at me and he says, you are invited into my kingdom. I wanna look at the significance of the gospel. Excuse me. The key to understanding this gospel and why it is good news is to dive in to that why. Why is it important? And we gotta start with the law in order to get there. The Old Testament law was given to Moses And the law can be thought of kind of like a measuring stick. And anything that does not meet what this measuring stick is uh, showing us, it falls short, is sin. Sin is anything that cannot live up to this perfect following of the law. The righteous requirement of the law is so strict, it's so difficult that no human being could possibly follow it perfectly in work, in deed, or in spirit especially if we consider the circumstances of our birth into this world that we see in Genesis 3, that we are born sinful creatures. We're getting a little bass in here this morning. Regardless of our good or bad behavior relative to one another, we are all in the same spiritual boat. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, and as we look at this, uh, this sinful nature that we have, we have to understand that the punishment for sin is death. And what is sin? Or what is death? Right? Paul gives us that answer in Romans. Paul says that death is wages. Paul says that death is wages and that we have earned the wage of death because of our participation in sin. Death itself, the wage is separation from God, who is our source of life, who is the source of goodness, who brings salvation. In order for us to go to heaven, to be reunited with God and in his place of life and of light, sin must somehow be removed and it must somehow be paid for. The law establishes a picture of this cleansing and how it can happen. It establishes a picture that it can only happen through a blood sacrifice of an innocent being. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's Hebrews 9.22. The gospel involves Jesus' death on a cross as a sin offering to fulfill the law's righteous requirement. And if we look here, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned the sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, Romans 8, 3 through 4. Under the law, animal sacrifices were given year by year to atone for sin. And this uh, festival or or feast or however they call it, Yom Kippur, you ever heard of Yom Kippur? It's the day of atonement. And on the day of atonement, the, the priest would bring two goats, okay? One was to be a sin offering and it would be slain. And the other one was to be uh, the offering to what they would say Azazel, but you don't need to worry about that. The, uh, the offering to Azazel would be the scapegoat. And the scapegoat would have the priest put, its hand, put his hand on its head and the priest would, would proclaim and confess the sins of Israel onto this goat and then he would have someone lead the goat out of Israel and in leading the goat out of Israel it symbolizes that sin leaving them and getting getting away from them and then the blood of the of the other one of the sin offering goat was spread over the altar over the most holy of places and around the temple so that it would be cleansed I tell you the truth this morning guys Jesus' blood cleansed a new temple. When Christ offered himself at Calvary, that symbol became a reality. Not only for the Jews, but for all of the people who would believe in the name of Jesus. The work of atonement for all sin is now complete, and that is good news. 
The scripture also involves Jesus' resurrection on the third day. Hear this from Romans 4. It was de- he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The fact that Jesus conquered sin and defeated it, that's good news. But the fact that he offers that in and gives that over to us and says, you are welcome in this, my blood was shed for you, that's the greatest news of all. That's the greatest news of all. And that's its purpose. That God's creation would be reunited with him in his kingdom. Jesus, if we don't point them back to God, we mess up. We put it all, of, all of it on ourselves, and that's not where it can be, because I am not good enough, and I will never be good enough to do that. For since the beginning, God's redemptive plan has been at work. The seed of the woman would crush the seed of the serpent's head. Okay, we're going back to Genesis here. The seed of the serpent would strike his heel. But I tell you the truth this morning, the strike of that serpent on the cross was not, is not, and could never be enough to keep my Savior in a grave. Amen? It could never be enough. In fact, just three days later, Jesus is risen from the dead, and he crushes the serpent's head and defeats sin and death once and for all. You guys, the purpose of the gospel is to bring what was created by God that was made like God and was made for God back to God. I'm going to say that again. The purpose of the gospel is to take what was made by God, like God, and for God back to God. Do you agree with that this morning, church? Friends, we are incomplete. We are broken creatures without the Spirit of God that lives within us. Here in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, from whom you have received God? You are not your own. I I love reading that in context with with the rest of the Bible because we see that, that on that cross when Jesus died and shed his blood and cleansed a new temple, here it is. When Jesus died on that cross and shed his blood and cleansed a new temple, there it is. It's you. It's this broken, incomplete, unworthy body that was given to you as a gift. That the Holy Spirit would indwell you and turn you into his temple. Cleansed by Jesus. And it's all stated so well in, in our scripture reading this morning. Thank you, Sue, for reading that. You read it better than I could. <laughs> for that, that scripture, I'll read it again here real fast, is that what I have received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the other brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. I want you to notice first that Paul received the gospel, and then he passed it on. Paul first received the gospel, and then passed it on. This is not a man-made message. This is a divine message. This is a message given to humanity by God for his people that we would be reunited with him, that we would understand and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Second, the gospel is of first importance. Every place that the apostles went, they shared the gospel first. Why would they do that? Why not talk about tithing 10%? Why not talk about uh, whether or not John Wesley was right or John Calvin was right? Why not talk about these things? It's because those things are secondary. The first thing, the only thing that really matters is getting down to who Jesus Christ is. Is he Lord or is he not? And the answer, you guys, this morning is that he is and that he always will be. And we heard about it all last week whenever we read about the angel Gabriel, whenever he would tell it was either Mary or Joseph, I can't remember right now, but as, as he would tell them that he would, they would call the baby's name Jesus and then he added on, and his kingdom will never end. You pick up on that? 
that Jesus' kingdom will never end. Third, the message of the gospel is accompanied by evidence. Jesus died for our sins. Okay? That's proven by his burial. He was dead on that cross. And then he rose again on the third day. That was proved by over 500 eyewitnesses who saw it. And today, if we look at it, what's the proof of the gospel today? Well, I would say it's got quite a, quite a hefty legacy, wouldn't you? Thousands of years of it not being disproved. Walking testimonies of us who believe, who could tell you that we've probably come out of some of the darkest places that we would not like to revisit. <laughs> Fourth, all of this was done according to the scriptures. This was not an accident. This was not an accident. It was all done according to the scriptures. The theme of the whole Bible is the salvation of mankind. It's fall from Genesis to its reconciliation in Revelation. And the ultimate coming back to be the one kingdom of New Jerusalem. The Bible, my friends, is the gospel. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings, brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, Romans 1.16. The gospel is a bold message and we are not ashamed to preach it. The gospel is a powerful message because it is God's good news, not man's good news. The gospel is a saving message, the only thing that can truly take the human heart and reform it. It is a universal message, not only for Jews, but for Gentiles as well. And the gospel is offered as grace. It's received by faith. And the redemption and salvation, those are the gift of God. If only you believe on the one and only name of Jesus. The gospel is the good news that God loves the world enough to give his only son to die for us. We read about that one a lot in John three sixteen probably the most referenced scripture in the entire Bible. And it should be, honestly, because it's, it summarizes this gospel so well. But I want to take a look a little bit beyond it. I want to go to, uh, I think I might be getting ahead of myself here. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, so the gospel is good news because our salvation and our eternal life and our home in heaven are guaranteed through Christ. If we look at uh, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, we see that it says, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. The gospel is good news when we understand that we do not and cannot earn our salvation. The work and redemption and justification is done. It's complete. Having been finished on the cross... Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world, 1 John 2, 2. The gospel is good news that we, who were once enemies of God, have been reconciled to God, reconciled under the blood of Christ and adopted into God's family. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called God's children. And that is what we are, 1 John 3, 1. The gospel is good news that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There it is, Jason. <laughs> eight, Romans 8, 1. To reject the gospel, and hear this, to reject the gospel is to embrace a justified condemnation. To embrace a justified condemnation. To reject the name of Jesus is to embrace a condemnation that is fully justified. Because if we look beyond John 3.16 into John 3.17 and 18, we see that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And we see that Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the one and only Son of God. God has given a doomed world good news 
And that's the gospel of Jesus either. But his uncle Barry was uh, a deacon at, at Caney Creek Free Will Baptist Church in Virgie, Kentucky. And he invited, church, invited Chris to church over and over again. And finally, Chris said, okay, I'll go. But I want to bring somebody with me. <laughs> he said, I, didn't, I don't want to go alone. Will you come with me? And I said, yeah, I'll go. Um, and I'll be honest, I mean, we walked into this church, we were expecting to be met with judgmental looks and maybe even a snide remark or two here or there, because, I mean, we were, uh, I don't know how to say it, <laughs> we were kind of troubled kids. I mean, um, we're the kids that Young Life targets to go after, you know? Anyway, but we went into this place and instead of being met with rejection, instead of being met with judgmental looks, we were embraced at 15 and 16 years old. And that's what makes the difference, you guys. Chris's Uncle Barry invited him, and so we went. We kept getting invited back over and over and over again, and eventually it got to the point where uh, Chris and I would ask Barry if he's gonna come and pick us up that morning or take us to youth group on that Wednesday, if Barry was gonna come and pick us up. The invitation ended up stopping because we said, you know, we like going here. I want to go here. And it stopped because not only were we being taught good things, because I'll be honest, when I was a teenager, we weren't really thinking about those good things, right? There were a couple of cute girls there, right? Anyway, (laughs) the truth comes out, right? Anyway, um, but we didn't understand much, but we were so grateful that Barry and a couple of other guys Adam and Patrick, you know, I can, I can remember them. They would reach out to us and they embraced us and they invested in us. They would, we would go over to Barry's house uh, on, on weekends. It'd be like a Saturday night. We're gonna go to, go to church with him the next morning. And we would be up late talking about who Jesus is, asking questions like, well, if I get saved, do I stay saved? You know, can I lose it? Like we would ask these kinds of questions as teenagers because it matters. We would ask those kinds of questions because we wanted to understand what they were trying to teach us, what they were trying to tell us. And when we invest in our youth, we build up the next generation of preachers. We build up the next generation of people who are willing to go out and tell of this good news that Jesus has done for us. Eventually, the day came. And one Sunday morning, one of the deacons of the church was preaching It wasn't Barry, (laughs) but one of the deacons of that church was preaching, and he said, if you take one step towards this altar, the Holy Spirit will bring you the rest of the way. The moment he said that, I kid you not, my heart stopped, my stomach turned, tears welled up in my eyes, because I knew my Savior was calling me. They said that, uh, it's said in the Bible that my sheep know my voice, amen? Amen. My sheep know my voice. I'm getting teary-eyed now. Be with me. So, whenever I heard that and all these things happened, I took that step. I called him. I called him on his challenge. (laughs) I took that step, and the next thing I knew, the Lord had found me with my face down on the altar I like to say with a football team of pastors around me because it's kind of like what it was. And there was like a football team of pastors around me. But the one I remember is Barry because Barry had been investing in me. And Barry got down on, the le- on my left side and he led me through this prayer, helping me understand what it, what it was I was experiencing, helping me under- understand what it was that I was being called to. And he helped me proclaim and call out to Jesus that I believed in my heart that he has risen from the grave and I confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord as we read in Romans, that I would be saved. The power of the gospel, the power of the gospel is more than enough to pull you out from the darkest places that your mind can go. The power of the gospel is enough to pull you away from your most anxious thoughts, your darkest desires, the places that you've been and the regrets that you might have, the regrets that I had, I've faced them. Because what is done and what is brought to light in Jesus is exposed and it is able to be burned away from there. 
washed clean by the blood of the Savior. But anything that you keep in the dark only grows and festers and gets worse. That was for free. I, I don't... <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. Okay. Anyway. Whew. So when you feel that there is no way, God makes a way. When you feel like everything is falling apart, God brings reconciliation and he brings restoration. And that's what I invite you into this morning is that you would step forward and answer that call that God is always reaching out to you, the offer for reconciliation, that offer for restoration, that offer that says there's nothing that you've done that is too bad for me to save. He says, I love you. And I've loved you since the moment I created you. Matthew 14, 24, and this is our last verse. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And guys, that great and glorious end is what we wait for. That's what we are eagerly waiting for. But until then, we have a charge. Until then, we have an assignment to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we trust that Jesus is going to be with there the entire time. That way we would have words when we need them. But that's my charge, that we would go and preach these good news. You don't have to have the title pastor to preach this good news. And it's one of the reasons I love the Baptist church so much, because we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We need to preach this good news because the whole world depends on it. And if we leave out of here with one thing, this is the one thing I want you to understand. It's that the charge of Jesus to have us preach this gospel is that when we leave, we understand it's a matter of life and death. We're blessed in the United States to not have to fear gunfire by being, because we're a Christian. We're blessed. But there are many people around the world who are not so blessed and they do face these persecutions they need our prayers and we need to understand that we need to take this opportunity that we have to preach this gospel no matter our context it doesn't matter where you work it doesn't matter uh, what your family's like and if there's somebody there that intimidates you and you don't you don't want to share it with them let me ask you are you more afraid of people than you are of God are you more afraid of people than you are of God? Because the Bible has some stuff to say about that too. <laughs> so will you take up your cross and follow Jesus in that way? Will you step forward? Proclaim your faith in him, of course, if you're not saved already. But as a Christian, will you step forward and leave this place with the intention of sharing the food of one beggar so that another beggar may go and have the other food. That more people may be saved before they meet our Father in heaven. All God's people agree and said, amen. Thank you. You've heard the gospel preached to us today in a beautiful way and and if you're here and you've not received that love and forgiveness, the grace that God offers all of us, this is a beautiful time to do this, to begin the new year with Christ in your heart and your life. If you've been looking for a church home, a family of faith to encourage you, to support you, to love you, we would invite you to come be a part of this wonderful church family. So at this time, I'm going to invite you to stand.
Amen. I am so grateful that you chose to begin your new year off by being in God's house. And thank you, JT, for blessing us by sharing the gospel message of Christ and show our love and appreciation for JT. JT, I'm going to invite you and Elaine to stand out in front of the round table so people can come by and share their love with you. And, and if they haven't met, you all can meet you. And But thank you for doing a beautiful job. Thank you all for being here. Again, the music was beautiful, ladies and worship team. The, the spirit was thick in this place. And we pray that this will become a regular routine for you in the new year. Next week, we'll be going back to our 8.30 service, Sunday school at 9.45, and then worship at 11. Let's fill this place twice next week and, and have a great time in the Lord as we'll be starting a new sermon series called Greater Strength. We all need greater strength, don't we, going into this new year. So invite you to join us and invite a friend to come with you. Thank you, Jason, for doing a beautiful job, and Sue for doing a great job. What a wonderful day. I want to remind you as you leave, if you purchase the Ponzetta, pick it up on your way out. Uh, we know that they're quickly losing its zest. So if you purchase one, feel free to pick out any that you want. Take it home with you. Hope to see you Wednesday night, meal at 5 o'clock. Sign up at the Welcome Center or you can join us 6 o'clock as we pray in this new year. But thank you so much for being here. At this time, we're going to sing a closing song, and then we'll pray, and then I hope to see you again soon. But Happy New Year to you. Let's sing together. Thank you for your faithfulness through this past year. We ask God that you would be faithful to us through this new year, and more importantly, Lord, that we would be faithful to you. Bless each one here, God, and, and may we live the gospel, and may we spread the good, good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to a lost and hurting world. We'll just thank you, Father, for the harvest we trust you to bring this year in the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.